0: You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network.
1: PackersTalk.com You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network. Your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm joined by my good friend Gil Martin. He's a writer for the Packers Post and Cheesehead TV, and I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Guilt. we're going to just sit down and have a, a nice little Packers and football chat today because there's going to be a lot of time in the offseason for a lot of uh, deep, hearty conversations where we're like really tearing through... Stuff that uh, happened last year, whether we're reviewing position groups. We're going to be going through what 2022 is going to look like. A lot of time for that. But tonight, I just want to just kind of sit back and and talk just some Packers football. Kind of just kind of get caught up and revisit some stuff that we talked about before the season. Our dear listeners already know. Who won MVP? We don't know yet because uh, the unveiling is just a couple hours away. Um, who who do you think is going to? Do you think Aaron Rodgers wins his fourth MVP?
0: I do. I do think he does. What do you think?
1: I also think he will. Um, I, I I would guess that Brady is going to get a decent chunk of the vote. And and I will tell you, this is not an anti Aaron Rodgers thing. I think if I were a voter. Uh, And and I said this uh, at least a month ago. If I were a voter, I'd be voting for Joe Burrow. I think just statistically all year, uh, grade wise, I think he just was the best quarterback in football this year. Wow. Um, But I I do think it'll be Aaron. I'm very happy for him. Uh, Like to see him get that fourth MVP. And and, uh, who's he hot in the heels of? It's Peyton Manning, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Has anybody else won more than three MVPs?
0: Off the top of my head, I cannot think of too many players. Uh, I mean, let me see. You know, off the top of my head, I'd have to say the answer is no. And the MVP doesn't go all the way back, but uh, in league history. So Peyton has five.
1: Okay, nobody has four. Peyton
0: has five, correct.
1: Peyton has five. So Aaron is currently tied with Brady, Favre, Unitas, and Jim Brown. Nice So So if he wins again tonight, that's Peyton and Aaron have a combined nine. And, you know, here's the interesting thing. So you got, aside from Aaron, there's four other guys who have won it three times. And then Montana, Young, and Kurt Warner all won two, mm-hmm. and and that's it for multiple MVPs. So, Aaron, Aaron, and Peyton—that's pretty good, uh, pretty good company. And you know, obviously, I, I think we can agree that Aaron probably still has the juice left that he could be capable of turning in a fifth season and catching up to Peyton. That'd be pretty cool.
0: That would be. That would be I mean Jim Brown won three. I thought he might have had a shot at, at more depending on how and when this was done. But yeah. Uh
1: now what about who you, who what about uh comeback player of the year, coach of the year, executive of the year? Who who who's who's winning these awards? I mean, do you do you think do you think Goody has a shot at executive of the year?
0: Mm, I think he should, but and again, our listeners should keep in mind, these votes were tallied after the regular season and before the playoffs. So what happened in the playoffs does not really affect MVP or any of these awards. It, it, the votes are actually sent in before the, the which is, playoffs,
1: which is why Mike Rabel is going to be the coach of the year. Yeah,
0: I know. Right. Uh, I mean, look, I think that, uh, Gutekunst should certainly be a finalist if they had such a thing as finalists. I think the same certainly uh, should go for Matt LaFleur, but I don't think they're going to win, even though I think they're quite deserving. Um, you know, executive of the year, there's a few. I, I mean, certainly the Rams deserve some consideration even before the playoffs for the way they've gone about things. Uh I think you're right about Vrabel probably winning coach, although not so sure that, you know, LaFleur didn't overcome more adversity in order to get his team to a better record. But again, you know, a a lot of the time with the coach of the year, it's, it's who does something unexpected. And, you know, Matt LaFleur, what he and the Packers accomplished this year wasn't unexpected.
1: You know who I think is going to win executive of the year is Bill Belichick.
0: Mm, yeah, I could see that.
1: I I, I think he's going to win Executive of the Year, um, but you could maybe give some consideration to uh, John Lynch and uh, Jerry Jones because the Cowboys and Niners, I, I think, surprised a lot of people.
0: They did. I mean, the Niners, it was a question of bouncing back after one really bad year with injuries and everything else. I mean, you you do remember they were in the Super Bowl just a couple of years ago, so it's not like the team was missing a lot of talent. Uh, And the Cowboys, again, you know, they had so many injuries in 2020, uh, including Dak Prescott. They were, in my mind, before the season started, the most talented team in what is a very weak NFC East. Oh, yeah. But, you know, uh, yeah, I could see, as much as I hate to say it, I could see Jerry Jones getting votes, even though he would not be my first choice.
1: Give me, which which team in the entire league do you think underperformed to the
0: worst degree this year? Wow. What team in the league underperformed to the most degree? That is a uh, a darn good question. All right, um,
1: uh, uh, you can think about it. I'll, I'll give you mine. Okay, I think it has to be Seattle, but my runner-up is probably Cleveland. Hmm. Hmm. Cause I, I had Seattle as a playoff team before the, you know, before the season started, we went through, we did a little thing where, where I put the teams into tiers Right. You recall this, and I had like, I do so I said, I said the superpower tier was going to be the Packers, the Buccaneers, the Titans. I had the Browns up there and I had the Ravens in my superpower tier. My dumpster fire tier at the opposite end included the Bengals. So that was, that was a swing and a miss. Yeah,
0: you and me and probably a lot of other people. Uh, (laughs) You know,
1: the rest of my dumpster fire tier doesn't look too bad. I had the Lions, the Texans and the Jets, uh, but I did have the Eagles in there and they I mean, they made the playoffs. I think it's really debatable whether you think they deserved to make the playoffs, but they made the playoffs. So that was also a miss, but not nearly as big of a miss as the Super Bowl appearance Bengals, which... Right. Crazy.
0: You know, I see, to me, Jacksonville, Houston, the Jets, those are the, the Lions. Those are teams that are down at the bottom almost every year. So, you know, hard to say they underachieved. Oh, man. See, the Browns, to me, I could see why you would put them in there, but I was never sold on Baker Mayfield as an elite quarterback. Uh mm-hmm. The Ravens I think were a disappointment that they didn't make the playoffs for sure. Um and yeah, I think Seattle is also worthy. I mean, the New York Giants, I didn't expect anything from them and they delivered less than expected even, but you know. Uh
1: Okay, so I I I had the Giants uh winning their division. Right. And and you laughed at me on this podcast when I said that, and that was well deserved. <laughs> That was well deserved. I, I had no idea that they were going to crater that hard, and and I, I feel like I should not jinx them by commenting on how good I think their off season is going. But I do like their hires. But I, you know, I feel like I, I jinxed them so hard last year. I need to do Giants fans a solid and and under and not them jinx
0: them again. Okay, <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: okay, uh, so. What about uh, the the Hall of Fame voting here? You you and I were having a little chat right before we started recording, mm-hmm. and and we said, all right, we need to turn the mics on. We were talking about Leroy Butler, so go go, go ahead and, and tell me what you were telling me.
0: Well, I I think Butler, it's his turn. He really should be in there. I thought he should have been in there before Lynch and Atwater, two players who got in before he did, and and I. I don't even know if they necessarily even deserve to be in at all, but certainly not before Leroy Butler. Uh, you know, to me, Butler it, it, it checks all the boxes. He he was a leader. He was part of a championship team. He was on an all-decade team. He revolutionized his position. He was really one of the first sort of hybrid uh, safety inside linebackers. He could cover, he could blitz, he could stop the run, play in the box, play in coverage. Um, and he invented the Lambeau leap, which is one of the better traditions in both Packers history and in, in the NFL right now, it's just sort of a wonderful tradition, which to me is just a sort of a, a cultural bonus point for him. Right. So, you know, to me, Butler should have been in already, He's the last member of the all-90s decade team who's not in, and uh, it's time. It's time.
1: I, I think historically I have always more or less been okay with players missing out on the Hall of Fame who I really liked. Uh, how, how do I word this? Because I, I don't, I don't want to say something I don't mean. <laughs> I, I think I – tend to be more bothered by a player that I view as undeserving getting in rather than a deserving player missing out. I I think that is how I tend to view it because I want to hold the hall of fame really in like a place of, of honor and prestige. Like you you look at, at the pro bowl voting. It's such a joke. Nowadays you look at who gets in, you know, it's, it's, it's never just the best players. It's like usually just the, the really well-known and really popular players. And then, you know, by virtue of the fact that oftentimes some of the best players who have been established for a while are the most famous ones, you do get some of the best players in the pro bowl, but nobody actually takes the pro bowl voting that seriously. We kind of recognize it's all a bit of a joke and I don't want to view the hall of fame that way. Which is why, to your point of, like, John Lynch and Steve Atwater, particularly John Lynch, I just don't think that he belongs in the Hall of Fame at all. Mm -hmm. And I'm more bothered by that than the fact that Butler didn't get in, even though I love Leroy Butler.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a tough call because Hall of Fame, you know, there's no... First of all, there's a diff- the difference to me between the Pro Bowl and the Hall of Fame. Pro Bowl voting and All Star voting in in most sports is included, not exclusively, but fans vote, and you don't have that for the Hall of Fame. You, the Hall of Fame is sort of this uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, at least, is this secretive group of people who meet behind closed doors, and they're not allowed to t- tell you too many specifics as to how the debate went and the votes went and all of that stuff. It leaks out anyway a lot of the time but you know they they sort of try to keep it under wraps as much as possible and anytime you put the fans in the vote it becomes a popularity contest
1: well and I don't want the fans to be a part of it but I you know we got like stinking journalists on the panel to decide who gets to go in the hall of fame why not just make it players who are in the hall of fame because I I feel like My 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 concern I'm expressing here is that the meaning and importance of the Hall of Fame being in it is going to get diluted when you bring in guys who don't really deserve deserve to be there. Well, the folks who care the most about the Hall of Fame meaning something are the guys who are already in it. So if they want to put John Lynch in there because they love him to death and they think he's elite, fine. They're, they are the, they are the people who are going to be most affected by that decision. So go ahead. If you want to do it, you know, then I can't complain. What do you think about that idea? Uh,
0: the problem I have, and and there is merit to an extent to give the members of the hall of fame, you know, a say in this election process, but those players may also tend to try to vote for their teammates or their friends or even just the people who they played against uh, during their era. And, you know, for example, uh, and, and I'm, I am i don't know that these people would vote this way, but I'll use it as an example. Uh, would Jerry Kramer have waited as long as he did if Paul Horning, Ray Nitschke, Bart Starr, Willie Wood, Herb Adderley all had votes? Probably not. But then take a player, for example, who's not in the Hall of Fame, who I think should be in the Hall, but isn't. Uh, Jim Marshall, who had the Iron Man, uh record for a long time, played 19 seasons, Pro Bowl many times for the Minnesota Vikings. He's not in the Hall. Uh, players who played with him or against him may be more willing to put guys they played against in the Hall. And and you may not have as much forward-thinking voting if if you have only the Hall of Famers voting on who should be with them. They may vote for their friends. They may vote for their teammates. And that may – maybe you need to give them a voice, but I don't think they should have the exclusive voice. Just the same. You
1: you know, people are, like, debating whether – Julian Edelman should go in the Hall of Fame. Right. That to me is ridiculous. Put him in the Hall of very good and move on. Yeah, I I would agree. We all love Edelman, but no, he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame.
0: No, I agree with that. Uh, I I agree. He does not belong in the Hall of Fame. Uh, But, you know, there are other players. And then, look, let's let's take it a step further. Uh, What what? Your, there are no specific criteria for what makes a Hall of Famer. Uh, I mean, they do have this very general language out there that they are supposed to. But for example, should OJ Simpson be taken out of the Hall of Fame for what happened to him after his playing days were over? Uh, to use another sport as, as an example, should someone like Barry Bonds, who knowingly cheated, Uh, the game by using illegal substances. You know, if a similar thing was discovered about football players who are eligible for the Hall of Fame, should that disqualify them? Those things are not clear by the criteria. And it's sort of difficult to get everybody on the same page with regard to all of those things.
1: You know who I feel bad for is uh, players whose last year of Hall of Fame eligibility is 2027 because Tom Brady's going in right. Big Ben is going in. Yeah. It's almost a guarantee that Gronk is going to announce his retirement. Probably Larry Fitzgerald, probably Adrian Peterson. Mm hmm. Uh, And I, I think, I think Drew Brees is eligible in 2026, but I mean, that's you only, you can only put in five
0: guys in a year, right? That's, but all those guys, do you think they're all first ballot guys? Is Gronk guys necessarily a first ballot guy?
1: Rob Gronkowski is absolutely a first ballot Hall of Famer. I'm, I'm, I'm not even a little bit taking my own feelings of his career into consideration. I, just based on the way the entire sport <laughs> talks about Rob Gronkowski. He is
0: absolutely going to be a first ball- ballot Hall of Famer. I mean,
1: I, b- I think he so believes is, in the so Hall of So is Tom Fame. Brady, so is Big Ben. Uh,
0: and I don't know if Roethlisberger has to be a first ballot. Again, both of them to me are definitely Hall of Famers. I don't debate that at all. He played but... in three
1: Super Bowls. He won two Super Bowls. Yeah. he's he's, he's he, he is one of the most accomplished quarterbacks of our time.
0: Well, look, I, I don't debate that he belongs in the hall. He definitely does. But to me, is he a first ballot, like guaranteed Hall of Famer? Absolutely. Uh, uh, mark, mark it down. Mark uh, it down. No, I think five he may, years. he may be. But if you start saying that you have all of these players who, you know, are worthy of first ballot inclusion, you know, like to me. If it's a choice between Adrian Peterson and Rob Bronkowski and only one of them could be a first ballot guy, I go with Peterson over Gronk.
1: No, I I think they both are gonna are gonna get in. I I think this is my point. I think you we kind of know who our five are. Probably, it's possible. Yeah, I think it's I think it's Peterson, Gronk, Ben Brady, Brady, and then your your number five spot is probably. Larry, unless he does not announce his retirement this offseason. Right. Um, yep. you, you know, you know, and this is an argu- This is another argument for Aaron to not retire yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, if he does, one of those guys will be knocked back a year, whether it's Gronk or Fitz right. or or Peterson or whoever. I mean, uh, it, it goes without saying. And and like I said, the, the, all of the only guys- person who would
1: get in ahead, the only person who would get in ahead of Aaron would be Tom.
0: Right. That would be the only one. And and all of those guys are Hall of Famers. I don't debate that. I, I just don't know how many of them have to be first ballot Hall of Famers. And Okay, he, let, me, let me just
1: touch on, on Ben and Gronk here for just a second. Okay. Some, some arguments for him. Ben played 18 years. Yes. He won 165 games and he only lost 81. Mm-hmm. So he's won more than twice as many games as he's lost. He is two for three in Super Bowls. Yep. And the Super Bowl he lost was arguably one of the greatest Super Bowls of all time. Nobody looks at that game and says, oh, Ben's the reason they lost either.
0: No, it was no. just, Although nobody was just at the that, first Super Bowl he won and says he's the reason they won. But that's a different issue.
1: He set the league record for most career 500-yard passing games, most perfect passer rating games, and most completions in a playoff game with with 47. He uh, went to the Pro Bowl six times. Mm -hmm. He led the NFL in single-season passing yards twice. And, of course, his rookie season, he was the offensive rookie of the year. Right. This guy is a first ballot. He's he's going in for sure. Oh, he's
0: going in for sure. It wouldn't like, again, when you list all these other guys though, I I don't know if he has to be a first ballot guy. I mean, he, to me, he would be the next year. I'm not saying he's far off from it, but to me, guys, a guy like Roethlisberger, I mean, did he win any NFL MVPs? I don't believe he did. Uh, no, no. And how many times was he all pro? It's a good question. See. uh, I mean, I'm sure he went to a a number of Pro Bowls, but how many times was... You know, uh, to me, a first ballot Hall of Famer should be the elite of the elite. And to me, like, throughout his career, maybe there was a three-year window where if you were going to list the top three quarterbacks in the NFL, maybe you would include Ben Roethlisberger. But I don't know if he was ever, you know, like Peyton Manning for a long time, Brady and Manning, Manning and Brady, uh, you know, Br- Brady, Manning and Rogers. Th- th- these were guys. Adrian Peterson, for about a f- seven year period, he was considered the best or one of the top two or three best players at his position. Even Gronk was, you know, all pro four times mm-hmm. uh, and deservedly so. But uh, I don't know how many times was Roethlisberger all pro. Uh he
1: he was he never made a first team all pro.
0: Okay. So to me, like to me that that's the kind of thing where if he's not a first ballot hall of famer, and I'm splitting hairs here, I'll admit that. Uh it wouldn't offend me. Whereas if Brady isn't or if Rodgers isn't or Peterson isn't, to me that there's something wrong. With 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 Roethlisberger, if he gets in during his first year, I think that's okay. I think that's fine. It's acceptable. It's expected. But if he doesn't, I'm not going to be like, "Oh my god, how dare they? How you know they're way out of line here?" Because other players may deserve the honor a little bit more, at least the first year. But I couldn't see him waiting more than one year.
1: Well, I will say, Roethlisberger had more career. Passing yards than Dan Marino, John Elway, Joe Montana, Terry Bradshaw. More passing touchdowns than any of those guys except for Marino. He was just uh, three touchdowns behind Marino. His career passer rating was the best of any of those guys. Uh, but it's different. And was higher. Completion percentage was higher than any of those guys.
0: D- different eras. I mean, Terry Bradshaw, probably if he completed 55% of his passes, that would have led the league in some of the early years of his career. Uh, probably. His, whereas his career, now, yeah. you know, that would be last among 32 starting NFL quarterbacks. So yeah, that's comparing apples to, you know, apples to oranges. If you go back and look at Bart Starr's career touchdown passes, I think he has like 152. I mean, Rogers did that in five years. Yeah. It's a different era. It's, it's comparing, you know, not comparing apples to apples if you do it that way. But no, I don't, I don't debate Ben Roethlisberger being a hall of famer. I just debate whether he's a lock for his first year, especially if you have all of these guys who you talked about crowding that first year of eligibility. Okay.
1: Yeah. All right. No, that's, that's, that's a valid, valid argument. Did you hear that the Packers have some new coaches? I have heard that rumor. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about Rich Bisaccia. Um, Yeah. So I here, you and I had the opportunity to pitch special teams coordinator candidates. You declined to pitch anybody. And I just re-pitched Braden Combs. guy I pitched a year ago. All told, I I think I'm satisfied with the hiring, but I, I don't think that, I don't think it's simply just a magic pill. There, there's more that has to go into this. But look, they brought in Bisace, who has had success for the majority of his career. His special teams with the Raiders were not exceptional, but they were substantially better than the, what the Packers are.
0: <laughs> there's a low bar. <laughs> <laughs> well, the it's edible. So, it won't put you in the hospital, but it's edible. You know? <laughs> try it. You know. <laughs>
1: The, the Packers had to open up their wallets a bit to bring him in. Uh, yes. Tom Silverstein. We don't know how much coaches make. That's not public information. But Tom Silverstein said something to the effect of he believes based on what he is kind of heard, whispered around that Bissachia reset the uh, market for special teams coordinator salaries. He's the highest paid special teams coordinator uh i think it's hovering around the two million dollar range yeah that's what i heard as well which uh you know that's more than coordinators are making in college football right now you know ohio state just hired a new defensive coordinator and made him the highest paid uh coordinator in college football at 1.9 million dollars and i think that was intentional they wanted to not go all the way up to 2 million
0: someone else will but
1: yeah (laughs) oh absolutely somebody will next year yeah exactly but but uh I I think Passaccia is gonna be more than just the special teams coordinator I I think he's going I think we will find that he's probably going to also have an assistant head coach title I I would be surprised I will be surprised if he did not demand that put it that way
0: I would be too. Otherwise it's sort of a lateral move for him. Although he was the interim head coach of of the Raiders and he got them to the playoffs. After all that turmoil, he is considered a player's coach. Look to me, here's the situation. The, the special teams coordinator, he is definitely competent. So if I make the analogy of special teams being like a restaurant, you've hired a good chef. Now you got to get him some good ingredients. If you don't give a good chef good ingredients, he might be able to get you something better than you or I would be able to cook. But if the food is spoiled, the food is spoiled. You got to get him something right. to work with. And that's the next step. The Packers have not emphasized special teams in a long, long time. And that has to be the next step. Whether it's, you know, as Matt LaFleur alluded to after the season, oh, we play our starters less on special teams than any other team that made the playoffs. Which is okay. True. Maybe that's part of it, or maybe you have to use some roster spots on guys who just specialize in coverage teams or return specialists who have to make a few more dollars. Whatever it is, got to get the chef some good ingredients to work with.
1: Yeah, and and I think the fact that the Packers had to make such a serious investment in Basaccia financially to get him here, I think that's going to carry some weight when he is insisting on the kinds of players that he needs them to provide him with. I agree. You don't pay a guy 2 million bucks and reset the salary for his position in the NFL. And then he comes to you and says, my long snapper sucks. Get me some <laughs> new long snappers and get me some guys who can block right? and get me some guys who are fast, who can return and say, eh, man, you know, just, just, Make it work with uh, Wordle and Chris Blair. You, you you need to do that because <laughs> um, that's, that's all we have. got room for, right? <laughs> that's all we got room for, man. <laughs> I I I will say this too. I, I really, I maybe this point doesn't doesn't need to be made. I I I definitely want to have a spot on the roster taken up by just a return specialist, go back to the, you know, when we had Tyler Irvin, when we had Trevor Davis and you have a guy who's just, his job is just to be a return specialist. Quit Mm -hmm. freaking out about using that extra spot on the roster for a seventh wide receiver or whatever, because you know what you, you feel like it doesn't matter when you have a guy who can do it. It doesn't feel important. Look, and then once you don't have a guy, your bone. And we've seen that for the last couple of years. And I, I liked what Kylan Hill was doing on kick returns um, until he got hurt. I liked what Amari was doing on punt returns for the final two games of the season. Yeah, I'll give you that. Two games. <laughs> but, you know, go. you and I talked a good bit about the return specialists in uh, training camp. And I said on this show that what Amari Rogers was doing in training camp on returns was not good enough.
0: Mm -hmm. And and you you were credited
1: to him for finally turning around for literally the final two games of the season, but it was a disaster
0: up until that point. It was very bad up until that point. And every time he went back to receive a punt, I have to admit, I held my breath. Um, Look, special teams, and we've seen it, can make the difference between winning a championship and not The 2021 Packers lost that playoff game to San Francisco, not exclusively because their special teams were horrible, but it was a big contributing factor. If their special teams were average, if they just, even let's just say if the punt isn't blocked or the blocked field goal is good before the half, if either one of those two things happens, they beat the San Francisco 49ers. 1996. Do the Packers win the Super Bowl without Desmond Howard? Maybe, but it certainly isn't. They aren't as dominant a team without Desmond Howard and his contributions. Four returns during the regular season for touchdowns, one in the playoff game against San Francisco, and then the only special teams player in the history of the Super Bowl to be Super Bowl MVP. Uh, you know, you can't overlook his contributions to the team's success that year. And it wasn't just the big plays. If you look at just his average per return on both kicks and punts, he was near the top, if not at the top of the league. And I'm not saying we need to be outstanding, but we can't be 32nd out of 32 teams. Get me to the middle, get me into the teens somewhere and I'll be happy.
1: Is it X's and O's or is it Jimmy's and Joe's? Well, on special teams, the Packers have not had either one. Right. In years. So you need better players. And then you also need uh, a a coach who's going to help guys solve their issues, figure out what they need to work on, teach them how to do their job better. uh, You know, and and you need a guy who can scheme correctly. Mm -hmm. How many games in the last few years have we... Talked about afterwards where the special teams were schemed against. I'm going to go back to the Eagles game in 2020. Mm -hmm. Uh, Packers won that in basically a blowout. But uh, Jalen Rager got a he returned a punt for a touchdown in that game. Yep. And um, they were able to do that because the Eagles special teams coordinator saw on tape. Weaknesses with the Packers where um, you could double their gunners and make the Packers adjust and start putting too many guys in the wrong spots and not have enough guys, um, you know, working on actually blocking for the returner or or, or not blocking for the returner, trying to bring the returner down. And then all they had to do was just shift their guys around. The Packers then didn't adjust. Boom. Scheme that one up. I think about very specifically this um, 49ers game where the Niners, who had a terrible special teams unit of their own, decided to use a lot of starters on their special teams because they felt like that was the weakest spot on the Packers that they could generate points. It was worth it to them to put starters out there Because they felt like, well, we can force the Packers into coughing up the ball a bit, and giving us some extra possessions, maybe giving us some points. And it worked to, you know, flawlessly. So, anyways, uh, five days ago, feels like ancient history already, but five days ago, the Packers hired a tight ends coach. It was an internal hire. They promoted John Dunn. He was a senior analyst um, just for the 2021 season. And... You know, you and I were talking about special teams coordinator and how that could not be an internal hire. You need to go out and find somebody. You can't just be promoting from within for this. I am very fine with the tight end coach promotion here. A couple reasons. First of all, it is different than with the special teams situation where uh, you, you're promoting internally from a place of incompetence. <laughs> this is a different situation also John Dunn was brought in as an analyst because he kind of needed a reset year he's been a a tight ends coach before in the NFL right and he was most recently with the Jets and he got I would say better production out of those players than their talent level and you know, the uh, New York Jets staff all gets turned over after uh, what's his face gets fired. And Salah comes in and takes over. Was it Gase? Was Gase the most recent yeah. guy who got fired? That feels like so long ago already. <laughs> so Gase gets fired. John Dunn gets fired. Sala wants to bring in his own guy. That's fine. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. John Dunn comes over and he scouts for the Packers. He watches tape. He but he's basically their in-house PFF guy. Huh. And what they're doing is building a relationship with him, letting him get familiar with their system, with their players. And then they have an opening at literally the position that he has coached for his career, <laughs> which he's been decent at. It's a no brainer to promote the guy. If you've been working with him for a year and you feel like, all right, he knows what we're about. He's a good fit. Uh, he's he's going to coach our guys the way we want. I I, I like this hire. Um, and this is the kind of hire that like the Patriots and Alabama make all the time. They bring in guys. Oh, yeah. Who have experience who their last gig just didn't work out for some reason. They got fired, whatever. You bring him in, let him be an analyst for you for a year. And then he either goes off and gets a job somewhere else or you go ahead and keep working with him internally. Make him a coordinator, something like that. They do that all the time. I am I like this hire.
0: I, I like it too. And look, not only was it a chance for him to get to know the players and the system, it's a chance for the coaching staff to get to know him. So it's a mutual audition. It worked out well. They're obviously pleased with what he can bring to the table. And I think it was a smart move and, and on we go.
1: One final position, uh, quarterback coach. We need a new quarterback coach. Um, this one to me is a little bit more important because of Jordan love or whoever your young quarterbacks are going to be for the next couple of years. I was not really that heartbroken to lose Getze. I never had anything against him. I like him fine as a person, but I wasn't, I, I never really felt like, oh, he's doing like this stellar job coaching up Jordan love. And he's the reason why Aaron Rodgers is winning MVPs again. Uh, we can't afford to lose him. I, 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 to me, he was just a guy, just, just a competent coach. So, you know,
0: yeah. So- look, I, I think that I wish him luck. Uh, you know, in in his professional life as he leaves Green Bay, but uh, the to me, they're not going to hire a new quarterbacks coach until they know if Rogers is coming back, and if right. Rogers returns. I think A-Rod will have some influence in choosing who the quarterback's coach is going to be. And if Rodgers is not there and you have a younger quarterback, whether it's Jordan Love or someone who they acquire in a trade, you know, then you pick someone who's good at mentoring younger quarterbacks. But you know, until I we really know what's up with Joe A-Rod, Brady. I don't think we know who the quarterback's coach is.
1: I really wanted Joe Brady for a quarterback coach. You know, he he got fired by Carolina midseason because he just wasn't panning out as an offensive coordinator. Right. You know, but I mean, we saw what he did with Joe Burrow at LSU and uh, the Bills snapped him up right away. He is off to go coach up uh, Josh Allen and our friend Mitchell Trubisky. (laughs) And uh, how can I I, I really wanted, I really wanted him in in Green Bay. Didn't happen. Uh, the Packers do have an assistant quarterback coach right now. That would be Connor Lewis. He's been uh, just another analyst for the Packers. I think he, actually, I think he was a quality control coach. Yep. Um, they, they've they been doing this. They've been bringing in guys who they see potential. And Connor Lewis and uh, Ryan, I've never known how to pronounce the guy's name. Mahaffey. Mahaffey. Yeah, I'm not sure either. For a guy named Leahy, I should be able to pronounce a, a name that's spelled so similar. Mahaffey. <laughs> Mahaffey but I can't do it. Um, Ryan got, uh, Luke, Luke. Yeah. Luke. I almost said Dick. Luke Buckus's old job of assistant offensive line coach. You know, everybody moves up a level. Uh, but I'll be really curious to see who they bring in, uh, to work with Jordan love and a rod, you know, and Kurt banker love Kurt Bankert, But yep. th- this one to me is more important. I think the, uh, Here's here's another another little thing is that, you know, we, we lost Jason. Uh, we didn't lose Jason, Bray, but we lost Justin Outen right to the Broncos. He was the tight ends coach. So John Dunn comes in. I I never felt like our tight end room was like stellar, but it was good, especially since it was like stocked with uh, a bunch of undrafted guys and then a couple of third round picks mm-hmm. and you and you know that, you know, third round picks for for Green Bay are like, Jinx. You know. <laughs> so, yeah, but Jace Sternberger didn't pan out. He's gone. I, I think you have to. I don't know that you have to ding um, out and for that, but you can't just not acknowledge it when you're looking at his tenure that you had a guy who was a third round pick and didn't even finish out his rookie contract um, in your position group. I just think there's a little bit of there's a little bit of room for improvement at the position, despite the fact that we're getting good production out of Tanyan and uh, Daphne and uh, the new guys name we brought in this year. No, no, not him. The undrafted guy. Yeah. Davis. What's his first name? Tyler. Tyler Tyler Davis. Thank you. This is is why we have two of us on this show. Uh, (laughs) We got good production out of those guys, but you know, with Deguara and Sternberger, I I think there was a little bit to be desired, especially out of those guys who are just really, really good athletes. I'm really interested to see if, uh, if, if John Dunn is going to be able to elevate the tight end room even further. Uh, I'd like to see that. And then quarterback coach. I, I think, I think we can all say that whether you like Jordan love or not, you would like to have seen a little bit more out of him. By now than what we have seen. So again, I, I just think that this is a, a a more important hire than any other position group
0: coach. It'll be vital, and a lot will be depending on the relationship between whoever the quarterback is and that quarterback's coach. No question.
1: Anything else you want to touch on uh, here? You know, we're going to wish uh, Aaron Rodgers luck. Uh, it's gonna you know, it's gonna be a long. Few months here until we start hearing from Goody around draft time, where we're just not really hearing from guys. <laughs> this is the time of year where you you start to realize that you were taking Matt Lafleur for granted when he <laughs> would go to the podium a couple times a week and talk. And you know, about like mid March, you're like, man, I haven't heard from anybody in forever.
0: Well, uh, I mean, look, it, it, after this weekend, then when there is no more football Sundays, it gets a little slow, but. uh, Look, you got the combine, you got the draft, you got free agency. There's plenty that'll be happening during the off season. And I'm looking forward to doing some more episodes with you and covering it all.
1: We'll be right here with you the whole way. We got some really fun topics coming up. We're going to cover some uh, interesting stuff that we didn't get a chance to talk about last year. And of course, you know, it's a new crazy off season. I, my guess is that there's a decent chance that by the time we you hear from us next on this show... We will have heard from Aaron Rodgers about his plans for the future. I, I think that's probably likely based on the timeline that he gave us a couple of weeks ago. I think uh, in the next one to two weeks, we're going to know what's going on there. So that'll be interesting to monitor as well. I hope so. But that does it for us today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter at Gilpackers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. You can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack
0: Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com